So like I said, this is going to be a hybrid. Um, Ken had his sermon completed, ready to uh, uh, preach a few weeks ago. Uh, if God calls, he enables. And I was going to, uh, if God calls, he empowers. That's next week. So um, I, I had his sermon, but I'm not Ken, so I can't preach his sermon. But there's parts of this that'll be his. And maybe you'll figure out which parts are his, which parts are mine. But um, I'm excited to see how uh, the good Lord can use this in our lives. So this is Ken uh, starting out. I sure enjoyed watching the Paralympics in Rio that ended a week ago or a month ago now. Uh, growing up handicapped myself because he had polio as a kid, so he had a significant limp. I suppose it was especially inspiring. I love watching the one-legged high jumper. Did any of you see him? He approached the high jump like the other jumpers, except he didn't run. He hopped on one leg. I could hardly believe that he cleared the bar at 1.92 meters. I had just one good leg, and when school track meet time came, I knew I didn't have a chance running. But maybe... I would have a chance jumping because my good leg was strong. And in fact, at his uh, funeral, I talked to somebody that said he was a very strong man. I'm glad I didn't tango with Ken. Um, so looking back, I had no training, Ken says, how to do it right, and no encouragement like a coach would give. Plus, you jumped over the bar and you landed in a pit of sand on the other side. This was the old days. No, so. <laughs> so I tried to always land on my feet, so I never got very high. My vision stayed limited because of my handicap. Never did have success like skiing that I told you about a few weeks ago. His wife, Nova, won all the ribbons for high jumping and broad jumping in those days. At any rate, the hopping Chinese fellow trained hard and could jump over six feet. He and I certainly illustrate the, the thrust of our sermon series, Limited Vision Means Limited Lives, because he didn't limit his, his vision to his handicap like I did, Ken says. By the way, this principle obviously applies to everyone, not just Christians, because God has built this into how he designed us. Anyone can do a lot more with their lives if they expand their vision. However, there is a biblical teaching that ramps this up beyond what we can expect from just hard work and positive thinking. And that's my theme for this next chapter in our sermon series, Limited Lives Means Limited... Sorry, Limited Vision Means Limited Lives. So if God calls, he also enables... Ken goes on to use the illustration that we get from Steve Newfeld. Steve Newfeld is our Latin American director for the Evangelical Free Church of Canada. Like, just as a pause here, uh, God's doing amazing stuff in Latin America. Like, there is some cool stuff going around, on around this world. Like, like right from um, Bolivia to Mexico um, to Ukraine. I know that's not uh, Steve's part, but I mean, there's some really cool stuff happening right now. So, Ken was struck by one of the captions on Steve Newfeld's report. And this is the caption. It said, Dr. Jerome Harvey failed to remember he was going to retire at the age of 80. <laughs> so in my opinion, Ken says, Dr. Harvey is a kind of modern-day Caleb from the Bible. 
He and Caleb both illustrate how this biblical truth works in real life. It's so important that after today, I hope that uh, you begin to see it illustrated everywhere. I hope to see increased signs of it in uh, your life too as you commit to following the Lord more obediently and closely. So when he said that Dr. Harvey forgot that he was going to retire at 80, he actually did retire at once. He is a medical doctor who retired after 43 years of family practice in Ontario. In 2004, recently retired, he was looking out his kitchen window at the 250-bed Port Arthur General Hospital, which was soon to close because a new state-of-the-art hospital was being built to take its place. He wondered what was going to happen to all that medical equipment left behind. So he did a bit of research, and he found out that because Thunder Bay, you know where Thunder Bay is? You know, a couple hours from Steinbeck, because you all know where Steinbeck is. Um, Thunder Bay is too isolated from the main population centers of Ontario, so all that good and very usable equipment had no value. So the administration admitted that most of the equipment would be sold to a scrap dealer for 180 bucks a ton. A few weeks later, Dr. Jerome Harvey left for Cuba on a mission trip with his church. The main project was digging ditches to restore the water system in a, in a Christian children's camp. Ken remembers that because some of his friends went on the same trip from Southern Alberta. And the thought came to Dr. Jerome Harvey. One of those God moments. I wonder if somewhere in Cuba they could use all this hospital stuff. Included complete operating rooms, x-ray machines, equipment, beds. How could we get it to Cuba from Thunder Bay? Then God began to put things together in an amazing way. He met a doctor named Dr. Riera in Cuba, uh, or a Cuban doctor, and he told him about the equipment. So Dr. Riera said he would help as a liaison with the Cuban government. One problem is you couldn't bring anything into Cuba without tons of paperwork. They were able to arrange a meeting with Cuban ministry officials. Officials told them because of years of sanction, their medical equipment was woefully inadequate, dot, dot, dot. Dr. Jerome went back to Thunder Bay and got to work on the challenge. So in partnership with the Evangelical Free Church of Canada mission, he set up a nonprofit, and that's called MEMO, or Medical Equipment Modernization Opportunity, MEMO. Free Church had been doing lots of cool work in Cuba for lots of years. So working together, he felt he had a chance to make the shipment possible, and that's what ultimately got accomplished. They filled a container, and they sent it. And you know, that's not an easy task. Uh, they would have, it would have been a wonderful achievement if he just stopped there, this retired doctor. He had no idea at the time, but this would be just the start of an amazing journey, one that would continue until even now. The problem was that God would keep challenging his faith. He would hear of another closure or of medical equipment no longer needed because of upgrading a clinic. So he would travel to Cuba to work with missionaries and Cuban pastors, find appropriate places where these items of medical equipment could be used and try and connect them to a ministry. Then he'd fly back to Thunder Bay, fill a container and then ship it. And then he would go back to Cuba, help set it up and then train doctors to use it. Here's the amazing thing. Memo was still going strong 12 years later. They haven't just sent a container or two. They haven't even just sent one or two a year. In these last 12 years, they have sent 66 shipping containers. That's pretty cool. 66 of medical equipment. 
not just to Cuba, but to a number of other countries. It's been growing and expanding while Jerome passed through his 70s into his 80s. So do you have any pictures? Yeah? Awesome. So the first one you're going to see here, Shalom Clinic in El Salvador. Do you like my, how was my El Salvador? Did I say that correctly? Huh? In 2013, Memo got a call from the Christian Community Clinic. 40% of people can afford no medical care. A missionary organization had built, uh, built this clinic in a gang-ravaged, very needy community. They had run out of money building the 40-room clinic and needed help equipping it. So then, Memo has sent a number of containers to El Salvador. They have been able to provide the needed furnishings, uh, clinical laboratory, laboratory, uh, digital x-ray machine, a fixed and mobile breast screening machines, as well as uh, two dental chair suites and a, f and a fully equipped ambulance. There's, uh, I think, next picture. There's uh, several unique things about Memo. Uh, they're, they're part of a God's special call to them. There's still no paid staff. All the, all the work of storing and shipping, uh, there's been done by a ton of people, thousands of volunteer hours uh, by people in Thunder, Day, Thunder Bay and beyond. It all demonstrates what Ken wanted you to see here is that when God calls, he also enables. There's no corporate or government funding for Memo. 650,000 plus to buy the containers and ship them over the last 12 years. Has come from generous Canadians who have heard God's call to share. So it's just not about the doctor, it's about us. It's come from generous Canadians who have heard God's call. Millions of dollars worth of equipment and supplies have been sent to needy countries. Thousands of tons of goods saved from uh, landfills. Many lives have been saved, all part of God's enabling. Something else that was a really special, uh, special part of God's call is Dr. Harvey insists that they follow up any shipments of technical equipment to make sure it's assembled properly and then how to train people how to use the equipment. Healthcare professionals who volunteer their time to make this possible, they go uh, as volunteers to set up the equipment and train others. At the heart of it all, the leadership, passion, and vision of Dr. Jerome Harvey, our modern-day Caleb, now over 80, and he's still going strong with God's call. God clearly called Dr. Uh, Harvey out of retirement in 2004. He put together a container uh, for Cuba recycling and med medical supplies, uh, led him step-by-step step into a ministry far beyond anything could, could imagine. You may be saying, what does that have to do with me? Maybe you weren't saying that. I'm not a doctor, Ken says, and I'd never be able to do what he's doing, but here's the important key that I want you to understand. This principle applies to all, all of us, whether we feel that we have leadership gifts, leadership gifts or not. Jerome could not have done any of this by himself. Uh, for this to work, God had to raise up amazing teams of helpers. In the early years, I wonder how many of this community in Thunder Bay, or even in the church, says, how are you going to do this? Or, that'll never work. Or, what if something goes wrong? Or, how will you ever pay for those shipping containers? Or, with all the corruption that can happen in government, in Cuba or whatever, won't this stuff get stolen? What if you get in trouble with the government? The ones who started to help have, and stuck with him had to believe also what the doctor believed, that if God calls, 
he enables. So he mentioned Memo never received government funding. But recently, actually very, uh, just a little while ago, Memo uh, got an exciting recognition. On March 29th, Dr. Harvey received the, the, the Gover Governor General's Caring Canadian Award. It recognizes individuals who volunteer their time to help others and build a smarter and more caring nation. Then on May 5th, uh, he received the Power of Canada Award from the Red Cross. Uh, sometimes recognition happens and we can rejoice because it brings glory to Christ and his cause. We have an example of his creative ministry even here at our church. So he went on to share a little bit about what's really cool is we actually have even Dan and Irene chat with, uh, within our congregation. And uh, we can't even forget the Gecko Society, which I talked about before, but Dan actually took an early retirement from his career as a nurse and a nursing instructor. And we'll have a report from him in a couple weeks. But it's interesting how God called the Shats to something and he's showing up and enabling them to get that accomplished. If God calls, he always enables. Doesn't mean it's going to be peachy or easy, but this demonstrates Dr. Harvey's road. It demonstrates also a really cool story that we come across when it comes to Caleb and Joshua, but Caleb realizing that he's been called and now he has to make the choice to believe that God will enable him. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that you would motivate us, inspire us, and also believe that you will en enable us because you have called us. You've called us such an incredible relationship with yourself and that's only part of it. Now you've got work for us to do. So help us to recognize your calling and help us to recognize that you will enable us. Lord, we lean into you and thank you for this. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So we're gonna pick up on uh, Caleb and Joshua and the, the 12 spies. In, uh, we're gonna be in Exodus, Deuteronomy, but especially in Numbers. But let's start with Exodus chapter 33, verses uh, one to two. Listen to what it says here. The Lord said to Moses in NLT, I love this, get going. The Lord says to Moses, get going. You and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt, get up, go up to the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so his descendants. So he made this promise a long time ago. He says, I'm going to do it. Now get going. I told him, I will give you this land to your descendants. I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Mennonites. I'm going to get rid of them all, right? And then Deuteronomy 1, verse 20 to 23 says this, I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is about to give us. See, the Lord your God has placed the land before you. Go, go up, take possession. As the Lord, the God of your, God of your fathers has spoken to you, do not fear or be dismayed. Then all of you approached me and said, let us send men before us that they may search out the land for us and bring back to us word of the way which we should go up and the cities which we shall enter. Verse 23, the thing pleased me and I took 12 of your men, one from each tribe. Here's the story of the promised land. Here's the story of the promised land. 
absolutely incredible because the background to this is that the uh, Israelites have been saved. They've been brought out, out of Egypt, an empire that was built on the backs of the Israelites. The morning star or Pharaoh, the guy who thought he was God, was creating an incredible empire that should reflect his godliness, quote unquote. So he built his empire on the backs of the Israelites and made them do all the work and he put them under a, a hard thumb he put them under slavery. He would whip and beat whatever he had to do to get this built. And then suddenly, when he realized the resource they were, he also realized that, wait a second, they're having a lot of kids. And now he started to get paranoid that they'd ha they would have so many boys, which would turn into so many men, which would then in turn into so many fighting men that they might actually try and rebel against this kingdom. So he gave the uh, edict that the uh, midwives, anybody helping with birthing, when the baby came out, if the baby's a boy, either terminate it or throw it in the river. Get rid of that thing. We got to kill the boys. So you know that the really cool story of Moses comes out of that, that Moses was saved out of that, and God did really cool work in Moses' life. He even walked away for a while dealing with all his skeletons in his closet, but God just kept calling him, calling him, and then sent him back and enabled him to bring out the Israelites, through all sorts of really cool, miraculous stuff, brought them through even the sea, and, and now they were on the other side, and God also took, took care of Pharaoh. So that's the context of what we're looking at today. Then we jump into Numbers uh, chapter 13, starting at verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore the Canaan, uh, this is the uh, spies, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See that the, what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or if they're weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good? Is it bad? What kind of towns? Are they unwalled or are they fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile? Is it poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And in parentheses, it was the season for the first ripe grapes. So the 12 spies were actually sent out to check out the agriculture, the horticulture, every other kind of culture you can think of. So they were spying out the land and taking notes for everybody. It was a land of beauty, a land of plenty, a land flowing with milk and honey, which means not a whole lot to us these days. But I think that means it was incredible. God was taking them out of slavery through the valley of the desert and giving them... <gasps> Whoa, look at this land and the plenty that we have here. God called them, but did they believe that he would enable them? Ken was also, when he was a kid, like me, was just blown away thinking about how big would those grapes have been? You had two men carrying a pole with a cluster of grapes. Now, when I go to the store, I see a cluster of grapes. I can do this. Maybe I'm really strong. But I'm guessing that these grapes, like big mother grapes, you squish one, you got a bottle of wine. We're talking good grapes here. So they have this huge cluster, so they're bringing back evidence that what God said is true. So this is really exciting. Just like you guys and me, we're going right on. God promised it. He kept his first promise, amazing land. Let's go get it. But we know... That's not what happened. Part of the report also was that there were some seriously big people in this land. Numbers 13, 
Verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak. Isn't that even a scary word? Anak. I mean, when I read that, sorry to give you an insight into my brain. When I was a kid, I used to watch Smurfs, the cute little blue creatures. One episode, they were hurt by some kind of biting creature or disease, and uh, one of the Smurfs got bit and turned purple and mean, and then would walk around, gnap, gnap, so you would see the blue ones, and you'd see the purple ones, and those freaky purple ones were trying to bite the other, it's crazy, anyway, what does that have to do with today's sermon? Zero. <laughs> Except whenever I see Anak, I go, Ganap, like scary, okay? Scary purple Smurfs. But here it's also interesting because what's a th- we always tell our kids, watch out, don't say that four-letter word. Do we ever tell our kids, watch out, don't say that three-letter word? But. And that but there is very significant. We're going to see one in just a little bit too. especially the 10 spies, and then they spread it across the nation, that but kept them out of the promised land. Another one that you'll see in the flavor of it is you don't necessarily come across the word itself, but another one is sometimes why. Why, why, why? Kids always, why, why, why? Stop saying why, just do it because I said so. I'm your dad, move, you know? And I think sometimes God says something, stop your whys, get moving. Stop with the but. But and why, very powerful word. In fact, in uh, my language, I'm a meno, and there's a great one, ekvel uh, oba. Ekvel oba. Which means, well, let me tell, give you the context first. Usually, we're talking about somebody, so I know something about David, but I'm a Christian, so I don't wanna, I don't wanna slander David. So I'll say, you know that David? Yeah, ekvel I don't wanna say anything, oba but and then we'll pray about David <sighs> you know so that's the but word all right and that's what's happening here too I don't want to say anything but all right so here we go but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large we even saw the descendants of Anak the Amalekites live in the Negev the Hittites the Jebusites the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan then Caleb verse 30 then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it you guys everybody's mumbling now okay but so they've given this report and it's an intimidating report but the people are big and stuff but Caleb guys 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 remember uh, 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 we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Why? Because Caleb's been working out or he remembered that if God calls, he enables. But verse 31, here we go. Hmm. Three-letter word. But the men who had gone up with him, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they, they, they spread among the Isra- and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said, the land we explored devours the living. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak. 
we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Pause. How many times have you done that same thing? You have felt small, therefore you go, those people over there, they think I'm small, so therefore I will live up to my smallness. And you don't believe your calling. You don't believe that God can enable you because you have the gossapa mentality. Here, they're saying, we seem like gossapas in our eyes and we look like gossapas in their eyes. Is that the point? In fact, that's not even all that bad in a way because God wants to use us grasshoppers. God wants to enable us grasshoppers. We seem like grasshoppers in our eyes and we look the same to them. Probably a concern I have for myself and us, all of us, is sometimes we don't really understand the potential that we could have in Christ because we have a grasshopper mentality. God could never use us. Or if only you knew my background. Or we quickly, in fact, we live in a culture, you guys, and it's hard sometimes to live for Christ. We live in a culture that likes to poke holes and see the hypocrisy, likes to, hmm, really? Did it really say that? Or can you believe these Christians? And then all of a sudden we have all sorts of stuff coming. In fact, look at the 10 spies. Did they tell the truth? Yeah, they gave facts. They didn't come and lie, but they kind of twisted it, didn't they? They didn't give the whole truth. They didn't say, but God will enable They say, oh, but they are not. See the difference there? And I wonder how many times we do the same thing. It is overwhelming. Let's admit it. It's overwhelming. This world is set up to make us doubt. This world is set up to, as soon as you graduate from high school, go into university, profs are just waiting for you to come so they can destroy your faith. So we don't live in a very friendly faith environment. That's commercial break. That's why sometimes I miss guys like Ken and your husband because these guys were men of faith. Henny's husband, Kurt. Uh, Men of faith. And I I love having guys like that around. And we need more. So that's a commercial break for all of us guys and ladies. We need faithful heroes of the faith that live consistently and press on so that our young people can go, I want to be like David or I want to be like Carrie or I want to be like Corey because they want to be like Christ. Grasshoppers. After 40 days, these guys came back and the 10 spies gave the facts, but then, but. And these guys are huge, the people of Anak. Come on, think about it. They're even named. Listen to these names and tell me that these don't sound like big people. Shishai. A he-man. And tall, my, my, he's tall. <laughs> Amazing. So you got three ginormous giants that are keeping these thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people from the promised land. Scripture is so clear here. God gave the promises to their forefathers that the land is yours. Go get it. Two spies twisted and made everybody 
or most people disbelieved. They doubted toward disbelief. They doubted toward disbelief. I think we can have doubts, but I mean, we have to have doubts that draw us closer to Christ. There's some stuff that I cannot answer, but do your doubts make you disbelieve or your doubts make you dive deeper and hold the hand of Christ? So these guys, two guys with their report, messed up a whole bunch for the whole nation of Israel. Ten spies worked up the, the whole, sorry, I messed that up with two. Ten spies worked up the whole nation to the point where they were going to stone the leaders, Moses, Caleb, and Joshua. Chapter 14. So Numbers chapter 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron because they heard this report. And the whole assembly said to them, Oh, if only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us out to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our, our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Check these next words out. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and we should go back. Then Moses and Aaron, the leaders, they fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephthana, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land. Because we will devour them. Do not rebel and do not fear. How many times have those two emotions short-circuited our potential in Christ? Their protection is gone. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. So, enter God. If this is like a play, enter God. And he's not happy. How more obvious could he have made it? He saved them from the Egyptians. He brought them through with miraculous means. He provided for them. And he promised them. And he even let them, okay, go spy it out so you can see for yourselves. And they wouldn't believe that God would enable them. The story goes on, and God wanted to destroy these people and make a nation out of Moses. He was furious, you know, but... But Moses and, and the other leaders being fantastic intercessors, they just say, oh God, we plead on behalf of these people. It's really cool. That's kind of what intercessory prayer is, is pleading to God on behalf of other people. Be that through healing or be that they come to Christ, whatever. So these guys, God, no, no, no. 
God forgave. But there was consequences. God forgave, but there was consequences. And listen to this. Every, everybody over the age of 20 who displayed a lack of faith would not enter the promised land. Everybody over the age of 20 who displayed a lack of faith would not enter the promised land. In fact, the 10 spies were struck down right there with a plague. Boom, done. But then, when they saw this, they heard the decree and they saw these 10 guys go down. Guess what they did? Whoa, well, let's go into the promised land. God means business. And here's a little tidbit for you. Keith Green sings a fantastic song or sung a fantastic song and it's even in the Bible. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. What in the world does that mean? I tell to my kids all the time, I appreciate your apology. Thank you for saying sorry. But you know what's better? Is if you listen, if you learn to listen the first time. If you learn to listen the first time. We throw out sorries, sorry, sorry, sorry. But wait, wait, stop. Let's change and let's obey. Obey right away. Obey is better than sacrifice. So these guys, now they're going, oh, I'm sorry, let's get moving. But there was so much factual information that they had. They had a faithful God. They had a God that was talking to their forefathers. And here they decided not to believe it because of 10 bad reports. So Numbers 14, 40 to 45. Early the next morning they went up toward the high hill country. They said, we have sinned. We will go up to the place that the Lord has promised. But Moses says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, dot, 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 in their presumption, they went up toward the high hill country Though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Covenant, which is Old Testament was God's presence, uh, Lord's presence moved from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down, attacked them, and beat them all the way back to Hormah. Unbelievable. So first of all, they didn't want to obey. And then all of a sudden, because they saw the consequences, uh, they quickly wanted to quote-unquote obey, but they were disobeying again because the Lord was not with them. In fact, I'd like to say that we can never do anything by faith that contradicts the word of God. So you might think it's by faith, but if it contradicts the word of God, it's a no-go. They figured that if, oh, quickly confess our sins and everything's fine. And this I took out of Ken's notes something haunting for me. God forgave them, but they lost their opportunity. God forgave them, but they lost their opportunity. Sometimes, you guys, we like to position ourselves or live in such a way that we like to live on the doorsteps of hell. 
just, we know that we said a prayer, so we're good with God. And we don't look at that Christ has way more for us. And I, to be honest, I think the world is tired of looking at people that say they go to church and might call themselves Christians, but you can't tell from a mile away. Here, these guys, they were f- forgiven, but they lost their opportunity. To me, that would be haunting. If you could even think of a scenario where you pass and you go to the gates of heaven and you realize there that because of your lack of faith or because you have a grasshopper mentality or because you believed another grasshopper that you didn't step out and do really cool things for Christ. That to me is a haunting thought. Just a little note in Ken's uh, sermon. If God calls, he always enables. The nation wandered around aimlessly for 40 years until every faithless person was dead. Sheesh. But it doesn't end there. Joshua. Joshua chapter 15. Joshua chapter 15. We finally see they enter the promised land. And I love this, I love this, I love this. Joshua chapter 15 verse 14 says that Caleb went and he chased out the three giants that had kept them from the promised land. Did you get that? You know how old he is right now? 85 years old. Do we have any 85-year-olds in here? Well, he had a bunch in the first service, right? Don't mess with an 85-year-old. Can you imagine this? Like this 85-year-old. So come on, the whole nation was stopped from going to the promised land. This 85-year-old, finally, when everybody's there, he says, okay, is it time to get my piece of the action? He goes, he instantly goes up to Talmai, sheesh, he's high, and the other guy, these anaks. And he deals with them. He, get out! You know, he gets rid of these guys and he takes his portion of the promised land at 85 years. This is incredible. And the secret, you might want to write this down, the secret of Caleb's life is found in a phrase that's repeated six times in Scripture. And this is what is repeated six times in Scripture. He wholly, which with a W, so wholeheartedly, followed the Lord God of Israel. You'll find that at least six times regarding Caleb. If you want the references, talk to me afterwards. He wholeheartedly or he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And at 85 years old, you see this old man going in and taking care of three guys that kept thousands out of the promised land. What are the giants? What are the giants or what are the things that you have perceived as giants that are keeping you from living a life fully for Christ? Do you have a grasshopper mentality? Maybe you feel small or insignificant or you got too much of a background or you think you got a lame spiritual gift. I don't know. Or you're shy. Like, we could go on and on and on and on. And it's just like, do you not see the resumes of Scripture? God used interesting people. Some of them I would never have touched. But thank you, you know, thank, thankfully I'm not God, right? God used resumes from across the board. He called people and he said, go, and he enabled them. 
Are there giants or things that you have set up as a giant or an obstacle in your life that is stopping you from obeying God's call? Or do you have a grasshopper mentality? Thinking that everybody thinks, eh. or worse, are you actually a grasshopper in somebody's life? Are you like one of the 10 spies and you're actually holding your wife back from doing mighty things for Christ? Maybe you're holding your kiddos back. You love them so much that you hold them so tight that they can't even be used by God. Or maybe you're so grumpy at work because you don't like your job that nobody's interested in your grasshopper faith. Could it be that there's giants or a grasshopper mentality or you're the grasshopper in somebody's life? If God calls, he enables. So what is God calling you to? And believe me, you will hear voices of 10 spies all over the place. But what is God calling you to? And do you believe that he will enable you? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And I thank you for Joshua and Caleb that believed. I mean, if you think about it, they were given this promise uh, to their fathers. And if we think of us right now, the word of God was given to us. The word of God was given to us in history, to our fathers. And are we going to choose to believe the report? Are we going to choose to believe the report of all the good things there is for those who love the Lord? Are we going to believe, or do we honestly believe that we have a message to share and to live out among our fellow brothers and sisters, among a world that is hurting and looking for all kinds of reports, but we can give them a report. We can give them a testimony that we have tasted and we have seen that the Lord is good. God, there's so many grasshopper reports out there. There's so many giant, tall, my, sheesh, high, and he-man reports. But where is the reports of the people of God being loved on by God and loving on others because of it? What are you calling us to? Help us to obey. Help us to obey rather than sacrifice. Help us not to miss out on opportunities. Use us in our marriage. Use us at work, Lord. Use us with our rebellious kids. Use us in our church. If God calls, he enables.
I'm not.